What is unionism? Well, that's the topic we're going to consider for today. So the word union comes from the Latin word unio, which means one. And the word union means the joining of two things as if, as if they were one. So when we use this word in church, in theology, when we use the word unionism, we're referring to the union or the joining together of two faiths or two beliefs or two doctrines. So simply put, unionism is the mixing of faiths or doctrines. Now, there are only two possible faiths or two categories of faiths. Uh, there's faith in the word of God, which is the truth, and there is faith in falsehood. If you believe uh, what the word of God says, if your theology is the word of God, then you have faith in the truth, in God's word. But if you believe things about God, the world, or yourself that don't come from the Bible, but instead you believe things that come from your own mind, your own opinion, or someone else's opinion, or from another source uh, that contradicts the Bible, then you have put your faith in falsehood, in lies, in error. All right, so with that being said, this means that there can only be two possible faiths, two possible outcomes. There's either faith in the truth or faith in falsehood and error. Now, it's true that there are people who are in between the two. In other words, there are people who believe the truth mostly, but also believe falsehood. Now, it could be because they don't know any better. It could be because uh, they know what the Bible says, and yet they choose not to believe it. Either way, falsehood is falsehood. Now, if you believe falsehood or something wrong, then you should repent and change your mind. If you don't believe what the Bible says, then you change your mind and then believe what it says. But if we ourselves learn what the Bible says and then refuse to change our mind, or if we point it out to someone else and they refuse to believe it, then they're holding to a false faith. For example, uh, the creation of the world. If you believe that the world was created in some other way instead of what the Bible says, then you're holding on to a false faith because you're not clinging to the truth of God's word. You're not letting the word of God uh, uh, speak for itself and remain the truth. The same thing goes for the virgin birth or the physical resurrection of Christ. Now, many will look at this and say, well, what does it matter? Deeds, not creeds, right? It doesn't matter what we believe, just be loving and kind. And as a result, the people who say this, they oftentimes practice unionism, the mixing of faiths. They say, well, what does it matter if you believe in the baptism of infants, for example? We all believe in Jesus, so, and so on. So uh, what does it matter? Why can't we just join together and worship and do things together? Well, this is harmful because in all these things, it puts the opinions of man above the opinion of God. It puts our words above his word, our thoughts above his. So you can have that opinion. I mean, you're free to do so. But just know that that opinion is actually against God and his word, against the truth. If God cared enough to say it, then we should care enough to believe it. And we should make sure that all come to the knowledge of the truth. So this is the point. We don't mix faiths. 
We don't mix confessions. We don't mix our churches and our denominations. I, I know that this is very unpopular. So let me go through some of the objections that you might be thinking of. So the first objection is, well, this is not loving. Well, that's a great misunderstanding of the word love. Love requires that we care about God above all things and that we care about one another as ourselves. So true love requires the opposite of unionism. It requires not mixing faiths and downplaying our divisions. If you love Jesus and his word, then you will also love it and obey it when he commands us to avoid all who teach anything contrary to his word. So Romans chapter 16 says, uh, starting at verse 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So if you really love your neighbor, your fellow Christian, then you will refuse to participate in their errors and sins. And instead, you will seek to deliver them from their error and their sin. You'll seek to correct them and bring them to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, the second objection is that uh, goes something like this. If we join together in worship, then... As, throughout time, it's just a matter of time, that will remove all of our discord and divisions. So if we just come together, our differences are just going to go away. Well, first of all, this isn't how the Bible tells us to fix our divisions. We can't get rid of divisions by ignoring them. We do that uh, by going to the root of the problem and fixing that. So take, for example, your car. I mean, if you have your car and the engine light goes on while you're driving... There's two things you could do. Uh, you could stop the car and go to the root of the problem and try and fix it, take it to a mechanic, whatever it might be. Or you can take a piece of paper and tape and cover the engine light, right? <laughs> and, and so you could say, well, I don't see the light anymore, so therefore I guess it's okay to drive the car. Well, that's just ignoring the root of the problem. Uh, what you need to do is you need to take it to the mechanic and then, uh, or fix it yourself. Find out what, why that light is on. Why, what is the root of that division in the church, right? So uh, the, the second thing, however, is that joining together while we have major divisions in doctrine with other churches or other congregations or denominations, while there's a major division in doctrine is only a caricature or a mockery of unity. It's not true unity. It's pretending to have peace when there is no peace. It's pretending to be joined together when we, we really aren't. So instead of healing the wounds of that division between our churches, all we're doing is making those wounds permanent. Instead of taking away the division, it ensures that the division is in fact going to remain forever by our ignoring it. Okay, so the third objection uh, it goes like this. A true unity is found in, in what we do, not what we say. So true unity is found in the things we do, in our actions, not our beliefs in what we say together. Well, this is completely wrong. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same 
mind and the same judgment. Now, um, in English, it says that all of you agree. I appeal to you that you all agree. But the Greek of the New Testament shows us very clearly what it means by the words agree, how these words have been translated. Literally, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. So there's to be a uniformity in speech, in your confession of faith, in your belief. The things that are coming out of your mouth are to be the same. That you use the same words and that you mean the same things by those words. If you can't do this, then you don't have true unity. If you agree in words, but you have different meanings for those words, then this disagreement is uh, th- then this agreement, sorry, is useless. You're still in disagreement. We can't agree to disagree. This is immoral, it's deceptive, and it turns the Word of God into something about our subjective opinions. So what do we do? What do we do instead? We don't unite in worship unless we can unite in doctrine, period. Yet while these divisions exist, while we're working on these divisions and calling others to repent of their false doctrine, we should have patience with those who are in error, and we should seek to remove this error through instruction. However, we can never join error with the truth, lies and the truth. We can never join the two. If we do this, then the truth ceases to be the truth. If you mix in error with the truth, then it's no longer the truth. Think about this. You can have a meal prepared in front of you, and then you can have poison um, uh, uh, on a plate or a bowl next to you. The meal continues to be um, nutritional and good for you so long as that poison doesn't mix in with it. But if you mix the two, then it doesn't matter how good the meal was, how beneficial for your body it was. As soon as the poison comes in, it's now harmful. The same thing happens with the truth and lies or error. If you mix error with the truth, the truth no longer uh, truth ceases to be the truth. It no longer uh, uh, remains something that's helpful and beneficial for you. It's harmful. So unionism doesn't do this. It, it, It doesn't keep them separate. In fact, it unites them. Unionism erases the dividing line between truth and error. It abolishes the difference and it turns it all into error. So unionism is the very grave and serious threat to the truth. It's, to, it's, it's a threat to the word of God. Now finally, is true unity possible? Well, the answer is yes. True unity is possible because the word of God is clear and everybody can know the truth. The question is not whether it's possible, it's whether you want to repent of your false doctrine or not. If you repent of false doctrine, then yes, there can be unity, but this requires that you let go of your false opinions. Now, listen to what 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, starting at verse 3 says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree, or say the same words with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, then that person, the one who is saying those different words, is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. 
He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, this is the uh, trouble with all of this. Why is this unionism so troubling? Well, because ultimately it attacks faith and left long enough, it will attack our faith in Christ in the gospel. And by mixing error with the truth, we may one day come uh, to the point if, uh, of, of uh, continuously uh, digesting this error mixed with truth. We may come to lose the faith altogether. The real question is, where do lies come from? Where where does error come from? It comes from the devil, who is the father of lies. And once we admit this, then we realize how, how evil this is. And once we realize what truth is, Jesus says in his high priestly prayer, uh, he prays to the Father, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Once we realize that truth is the word of God and that truth is godly and that it comes from God himself who loves us more than anything, then we would hold on. We will hold on to the truth of God's word and not let anything from the devil come and infect it. Not even our own opinions, not even our own thoughts, our, uh, our own reason, our senses that they would come in, uh, and mix with the word of God. We let the word of God stand because God is true. Uh, what do the scriptures say? Let God be true and every man a liar. And so we hold to that. As Lutherans, we believe, teach, and confess this, and we hold on to the scriptures, knowing that it is the truth. So that is what unionism is, and that's why we avoid unionism. We don't join, even in uh, uh, moments of great tragedy and national turmoil and uh, tribulation, we don't, even in those moments, mix the truth with error. Rather, we let the truth be the truth, and we hold it as such. All right, until next time, I pray that uh, you continue to uh, study and meditate on the Word of God and hold on to the truth until, until your final breath. God bless.